Welcome to Our House, the only complete on-air resource for your home ownership needs. Now, here's the host of Our House, Peter Hunt. Good morning. Welcome to Our House. This is Peter Hunt, and the show is brought to you by the continuously updated HuntRealEstate.com, where everything is truly easier for your real estate and home ownership experience. HuntRealEstate.com is powered by Hunt Real Estate ERA here in Buffalo, Niagara, all across upstate New York, and through our links to Boston, Massachusetts, and Phoenix, Arizona. The show is also brought to you by Hunt Mortgage, NMLS number 37405. Hunt Mortgage is an equal opportunity lender. Call them today, 633-3700. We ask one of our very skilled mortgage consultants to work with you to find the lowest rate and closing costs for your particular home financing needs and wants. That's always been our guarantee. And also ask about our many exclusive programs, including our pre-purchase commitment that allows you at no cost or risk to effectively enter the market to find your next home with cash. And in today's very, very competitive market, You'll need all the help you can get because in multiple offer situations, a seller will look at the offers and if there's a cash offer there, they're going to look at that pretty closely and, and may give it some uh, some favor in their analysis. That's why pre-purchase commitment is essential because that effectively is the equivalent of a cash. <clears throat> and if you're working with an effective real estate professional, they can explain that to the seller and make sure that your offer looks as good as any cash offer. So call on mortgage today at 633-3700 for a personalized, customized service that will knock your socks off. And don't forget about the first ever 24-7, 365 real estate hotline, the Hunt Hotline, which gives you access to all available information about any property that's listed for sale anywhere in the markets we serve. The local number here is 716-631-4800. All you have to do is enter the street number of the house you want to know about, no matter whose listing it is, and, and the hotline will prompt you with a choice of street names. Then select the one you want. You'll hear a brief description, and then you'll be texted a link to a dedicated website on that property. It's all automatic, and just that fast, anytime. In any market we serve, it's faster than going to your phone and trying to figure out how to read all the stuff that's on a sign and try to figure out how to connect everybody. Just remember, 631-4800. Any market, any listing, whether it's ours or any of the brokers, anytime. That's the Hunt Hotline. Hunt is the official real estate and relocation provider. Our hometown professional teams, the Buffalo Bills, the Buffalo Sabres, and the Rochester Americans. We also are delighted to support this, the Buffalo Bisons and also... <laughs> We're going to have the Toronto Blue Jays in town. It's a real opportunity for us here in Western New York. We are broadcast live here on WBEN 930 AM. And if you'd like to participate in today's show, just call us here in the studio at 803-0930 or text us at that same number, 803-0930. If you're long distance, you can call us at 1-800-616-9236. And if you're mobile, star 930. Those are all free calls. We have a very special show for you today. In light of what's going on in the market um, and everywhere around us, I thought that the very best person we could talk to is a person who runs uh, one of the finest mortgage companies anywhere, and that's Linda Malaya, the president of Hunt Mortgage. Good morning, Linda. Good morning, Peter. How are you this morning? I'm great, thank you, and thank you for joining me today. It's a particularly important time, I think, to hear from someone like you. But before we get into the issues in the market, I've been asking my guests over the last several weeks, really for quite a while now, as we seem to have some kind of light at the end of the tunnel and the whole kind of way of life issue relative to the pandemic. Things are starting to look like they're going a little bit more close to normal or the way we used to know them. Tell us how the mortgage business operated during the during the shutdown, first of all, and then obviously through the <clears throat> all the issues relative to the pandemic. 
you know, it's interesting, Peter. We get audited all the time by regulatory agencies, by investors. I feel like every day I'm, I'm in some meeting where I'm being interrogated uh, about rules, regulations, how we deal with COVID, et cetera. And one of our investors was asking me that very same question, um, and I simply answer the same way, which is, we are based in Buffalo, New York. We are used to not being able to get to the office. That happens every now and again here. Uh, and so we were completely set up to be remote um, before COVID. Uh, we were completely remote uh, because of weather uh, and our associates not being able to get into the office. And because we're in multiple states, it would be very difficult to tell a customer in, you know, Anniston, Alabama, that we can't close your loan today because we have, you know, eight feet of snow. Um, so uh, we, as I said, had, had completely set up. Uh, we didn't miss a beat. We had a couple of positions that we had never set up to be remote. Um, our receptionist position was a little bit uh, complicated. But other than that, didn't miss a beat, set up to be remote, and at a time when um, volume is record-breaking. Uh, interest rates uh, plummeted over the last year. Um, those that were employed were taking advantage of the low rates, refinancing. The purchase market was incredibly strong. Um, so it has been um, phenomenally busy and phenomenally stressful for all of our associates as they try to deal with their own family safety um, and serve the needs of our customers. You know, it's interesting. Um you brought up several issues there, but one one of them, one of them has to do with with um, the fact that obviously from a mechanical standpoint and and the processing and rigi- er, really the paperwork standpoint, which really isn't paperwork anymore. It's every, all things are digital, but from a from a from a process standpoint, from a from a um, underwriting standpoint, I can see how everything can be done remotely. But what about the relationship side of this, Linda? Where our mortgage consultants are <clears throat> out in the field with our sales professionals, directly with customers. How were they affected, and how did they how did they maintain those relationships? I would say that's, of course, been the most difficult thing to do. Is has anybody been able to maintain any uh, type of relationship when you can't see people, and that's what you're used to. Um, you're used to being able to. Um, see someone, talk to someone, meet with someone, and, and you completely go into these Zoom meetings. Um, so it, that's, been, that's been probably the most difficult part of all. Fortunately, our mortgage consultant, Peter, as you know, uh, have been with us for north of, most of them have been with us north of 15 years. So they have deep, deep roots uh, and relationships uh, with the sales professionals. Um, and it's just like you can go a year or two without seeing an old friend and, and still uh, not miss a beat. Uh, for our younger mortgage consultants, those that have been in the business less than five years, did not have deep roots relationships, uh, they had to scramble to make sure they were on Zoom meetings and, and adding value to the real estate professionals' um, lives. And the real estate professionals have been under extraordinary stress, as we all know. Um, COVID rules and trying to show houses and keep everyone safe and then multiple offers being uh, the name of the game. So in some ways, I think that just because we were all in this uh, very stressful situation together, it created some bonding. You know, the interesting thing you mentioned about, <clears throat> you mentioned multiple offers. This is this is uh, 
a way of life really now for many of our real estate professionals, which is a completely kind of a different evolution to their job. It's more than just sales. We, we call our people sales professionals because they are. But in addition to being sales professionals, they have to be um, brilliant negotiators. They have to be able to decipher vast amounts of information for the client and then be able to synthesize that information and help people make decisions, which is very difficult when you're in a situation where there might be 40 listings on or 40 offers on your listing, which is, which is almost three years ago we would have thought it was completely unbelievable. Um, and so the job is changing. And, and the outcome of that, though, in many cases, is that the house will sell for more than the list price, substantially more. Then the customer will c- complete their application for a mortgage and go ahead. But, but then, of course, the property needs to appraise. So how, how are you, uh, and, and really all mortgage companies, uh, all lenders, how are they dealing with the fact that from all uh, appearances, a house might be worth, let's say, $200,000 based on history. And then it goes on the market, and, w- and there's 20 offers, and it sells for 250000 or in one case recently, $300,000. That's 50% more than what the list price was, and or at 50000 it's 25% more than the list price. How then do you deal with an application like that? It is... Um complicated. Uh, I will say that the sales are so fast and furious that we've been fortunate most of the sales have had comparable sales uh, that develop rather quickly. In other words, you just bid on a house, um, you know, 50% over. Somebody else did two months ago, and theirs just closed. That can become a comp. Um, We've also had a lot of cash uh, become involved parents who, you know, I, I say, and I, I, this is unscientific, this is my own sense, I don't guess, um, that there's a lot of baby boomer money fueling this market. Uh, young buyers come into the market, they say, this house is on for 200 I'm going to bid 3 so I get it. Mom and Dad, I think it's going to appraise for $230. Um, I can put the minimum down, um, but I need cash for the difference. Um, so there's been a lot of gifts that we've seen, cash coming into the market, um, parents, you know, helping their family. We just went through this with a friend of yours. He called me. He was frantic. He said, my daughter's lost seven or eight houses. What do I do? Um, she's FHA. Uh, she's losing all the bids. What, what do we do? And I said, well, you want to get your checkbook out and help her? And he said, not really. <laughs> I said, well, there isn't really any. I don't have a magic wand, Dad. So uh, it's your checkbook or she's going to keep losing. So he got his checkbook out, um, wrote her a significant gift. Um, uh, I know he, he wept over it because the check still had the tear stains on it <laughs> when I saw it. Um, but uh, that's, that's a lot of what's happening. So family members are helping family members <clears throat> because it's a Oftentimes, as you know, in an offer, there will be a clause that says that in the event that the house does not appraise, that the buyer will pay the difference between the appraised value and the purchase price in cash. Is that the kind of thing you're referring to? Yeah, I'm seeing that. I'm also seeing on where people, even if they're not putting it in their contracts, they're just preparing for it. 
um, they're they're getting gifts and they're assuming, making assumptions. I mean, the real estate sales professionals usually have a very good idea. They know what the historical data is, um, and they know they're so they're preparing their buyers. But yeah, a lot of them are proactively putting it in uh, the contract. Um, so, and then there are some instances where. Uh, there was a sale recently. Um, uh, it was a really large sale price, and the buyer put in, I'll, you know, whatever it uh, appraises for, I'll put the difference in, and, and it overappraised by just a hair. So uh, there's some. Sometimes I see that as well. Not often. There's the also the issue of what we call escalation clauses. <clears throat> How do you deal with when you see a, con- a contract comes in, and there's a a price indicated on the contract, and then there's an escalation clause that says that <clears throat> the customer will meet or beat other offers up to cer- this uh, this amount, which is a very confusing situation for the real estate professional and for the seller, frankly, because it's really hard to determine really what that person is is offering. But can you is is that what you what you take into account the actual eventual sales price? Do you, but do you see the contract where it says the original sales price, and does that in any way, shape, or form indicate the, the thinking, perhaps, of the appraiser? Well, <clears throat> I think uh, I do see those contracts. We just go off the final sale price. You know, tell us what the end result of this escalation clause was. That's what we deal with. Um, the appraiser sees the contract. So I'm sure that does come into their psyche. How could it not? Um, but really, Peter, it's not supposed to. Um, it's supposed to come down to just the black and white um, facts of what has sold in the last six months. Um, up to a year you can go, but what's sold in the last six months in your neighborhood, which is generally defined as one mile unless it's rural, and it has to be an apples to apples. So if it's a ranch, it should be comparing to other ranches. Um, if you can't find, it's got to be compared to three other properties. If you can't find three ranches, you need to find at least one, and then two others could be um, colonials or raised ranches or whatever. Um, uh, but you need to have at least one rock-solid, same type of comp. should be similar in square footage, similar in amenities, similar in age. Um, so the appraisers are limited in what they can do. Um and then, uh, you know, uh, there's also different ways to look at things. We recently had a very large home in the city of Buffalo that sold way over asking price. Um, appraisal came in, and, and it didn't appraise, and by far it didn't appraise. Uh, everybody was freaking out. Um, I looked at the appraisal, and it was a technically a two-family, but it was a large old Buffalo home that was predominantly a large house with a small apartment. The apartment was something like 650 square feet. The rest of the house was something like 3,000 square feet. That isn't really a two-family. That's a house with an ancillary unit. So I went back to the appraiser. First, I went to the buyer and said, I think I can get this change. Are you okay with it if we look at it like this? Um, because you don't, uh, we don't want to ever be in a position where we're manipulating without you know, the buyer knowing it. Um, of course, the seller was anxiously saying, okay, yes, fine by me. Uh, buyer was, yes, we want this home. We think it is worth this. Um, so we appraised it, had it reappraised as a single-family home with an ancillary unit. That allowed the appraiser to go look at other single-family homes as opposed to double um, in the neighborhood. I think this was in the Elmwood Village. Um, so 
it's also, you know, being on top of the game uh, in managing the process, looking at it different ways, getting incredibly creative. Um, the mortgage, I said to the mortgage consultant um, who was heavily involved in this, you have really gotten a family and a home here. You should be incredibly proud of yourself. These people are going to lose this house. We're like 15 other buyers lined up, um, some with cash, I might add. Uh, so she was able to get them from purchasing a two-family home using rent to qualify to it's a single family, can't use the rent to qualify. So um, there was a lot of gyrations going on, but in the end, got it done. Happy family. Um, that's what we do. Linda, there's an enormous amount of background noise. Is there any way that you could pick up the phone? I am so sorry. I am on my way to you. I was told that I had to call in um, because of um, COVID restrictions. No, I didn't well, realize that was, I well, that was an option. <laughs> if you're on your way here, please come here. But um, yeah, I'm on Maple. <laughs> okay, okay, good. Well then, I'm behind a white car. And he uh, he's listening. Maybe he'll speed up a little bit. I apologize. I um, I asked Jerry to help the sound before he came, but I am I am on my way. I'm I'm just a moment away, and I'm fishing for my phone as I'm driving. Okay, good. Well, if you if you could, that would help because it's, it's it's difficult to hear what you're saying, and I appreciate if you would. Uh, sure. Make it a little clearer. Thank you. Um, we're we're going to go to break in a few minutes, but before we go to the break, and we'll just kind of close out this issue if we can in terms of the, the kind of the conditions in the market. How how are how are the people inside the company dealing with the volume of activity that we're experiencing today? Well, they are all exhausted. Um, they're all simply exhausted by what's going on. Um, but we have added to staff. We have tried to take the Henry Ford approach of uh, breaking down the business um, in pieces that uh, make it simpler. Um, and that's, you know, really the only way we you can deal with it. And in, in the process, this we're coming into what is generally the peak of the year in terms of our activity. Is, is this a lot? I mean, last year was, was obviously an exception, but go back two years. How would we compare business-wise in terms of the activity, the number of units that we're handling in, in the mortgage company today versus, say, 2019? Well, our business is up quite significantly. We were up 20%. We've been up, uh, uh, we were up 20% last year, and we're up, I think, 35% over that. Um, so, it has been growing exponentially. We've been, again, incredibly fortunate in that this was always in our plans um, to grow like this, so we have been properly staffing um, since uh, two, three years ago. Um, we have added people in multiple states. That's the other thing that has been very helpful is um, a lot of people, uh, their employers made them come into the office. They were very offended by that, and they wanted remote work, and since we have been proponents of remote work uh, for so long, we've been able to hire some really great employees uh, that were looking for that type of relationship. Do you find, a, and last question about this, do you find that the, the culture of, the, of any organization is affected by, or how do you feel the culture of any organization is affected by working remotely? Well, you know, Peter, that's the one thing that does keep me up at night is we often uh, got our people together. Um, we had uh, events, parties, uh, recognition events, um, and it builds a camaraderie and it builds a team spirit. 
mean, this is like you're trying to have a team when people are not seeing one another regularly. Um, it's incredibly difficult. Um, we have done a lot of remote meetings. We're having our first meeting where we are encouraging people to come in. It's next month. We're encouraging it. We're not requiring it. And then we are having a meeting in September where we are requiring them to come in. Um, so uh, I think that you can't continue at this pace of remote meetings um, and remote work indefinitely without having some uh, pre-planned events. I think you're exactly right. Without, we are, for the most part, social beings, all of us. And, and to completely cut off that kind of relationship-building experience that only can happen from some type of face-to-face -face interaction, I think, I think all of society is missing something, and I'm glad to see us going back to it, and I hope more people do. We'll, we'll be right back with more from Merrill Steers after these important messages. Downsizing from your current home? Love the idea of waterfront living? The West End, Buffalo's newest luxury townhome community, may be perfect for you. In the heart of the waterfront village, the West End offers picturesque lakey reviews. Each three-bedroom unit is meticulously crafted with the highest quality materials and amenities. To view this landmark development from Simonelli Real Estate, schedule your private showing now with exclusive listing agent Deacon Tasker with Hunt Real Estate at 280-7787 or by visiting westendbuffalo.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Shelley Flace with today's tip for kids from the American Academy of Pediatrics. Kids are full of energy, but keeping them active in their teen years can be a challenge. Aim for an hour of physical activity every day. If they like sports, that's a great place to start. Keep the focus on fun, not winning, and encourage your child to do a variety of activities. If your child isn't meeting that 60-minute goal, gradually increase their activity in ways they enjoy. For more, talk with your pediatrician or visit HealthyChildren.org. Welcome back to our house. This is Peter Hunt, and the show is brought to you by the continuously improving HuntRealEstate.com, where everything is truly easier for your real estate and homeownership experience. HuntRealEstate.com is the only place on the web where you can find a complete inventory of homes available, not just here in Buffalo, Niagara, but, but through all throughout upstate and then through our links to Boston, Massachusetts, and, and Phoenix, Arizona. You'll also find access to a complete set of homeownership services at HuntRealEstate.com, which is powered by Hunt Real Estate ERA. And I'd like to also mention that the show is brought to you by Hunt Mortgage, and we have a, the honor of having the president of Hunt Mortgage with us here in the studio right now. And if you'd like to know about any of our exclusive programs, including our pre-purchase commitment and our second look program, you want to call 633-3700 for details today. Let me just mention about that second look program because I think it's one of the best things that uh, the people at Hunt Mortgage have ever come up with. We are bombarded today with with offers to refinance your home or to or to buy a home and finance it through Bank X or Mortgage Company Y. And they all promise all kinds of things. And Just to make sure that you're getting the very best deal you can possibly get, call Hunt Mortgage, 633-3700, and we'll give you a free second look. As a matter of fact, we'll even give you a gift certificate. We want to make sure that you're getting the very best deal you can possibly get. That's our guarantee to you. So call today, 633-3700. I am now in the studio with Lynn Malaya. She's made it here finally. Thank you very much for joining me in the, here in the studio. I, I mentioned earlier that we we give our, our 
our guests the option of coming coming in or calling in, and hopefully more and more people will actually come in. So welcome to the studio, Linda. Thank you, Peter. Before the break, we were talking about um, kind of the conditions surrounding buying a house and financing a house and how difficult it is today, really, and, and the stress level that, that you're experiencing in, inside uh, your organization, which, which I know to be uh, excessive today and firsthand. This we might say might be normal at this time of year where it's, it's usually the busiest time of the year, but it's different today. I think, I think you'd, and we've talked about the ways that it's different, but let's, let's shift gears if we can for a second. There's been a lot of activity in, in the financing markets today, this week in particular. Um, we saw two of the worst days in the uh, equities market that we've seen in months and months and months. And the reason for that was that the, there was shakiness around the news about the unemployment Mm-hmm. N- numbers, right, and the fact that they, and the fact that there were fewer jobs created than they expected, like seventy-five percent fewer than they expected. So the markets reacted very negatively. When that happens, how do, how does it affect the mortgage market? Well, the bond market, the ten-year bond, is what is the barometer for interest rates. If the yields are going up on that, interest rates are going up, and if Conversely, it's going down. Interest rates are going down. So what you had was a lot of economic news coming out this week. I, If I recall correctly, it was Wednesday when the Consumer Price Index came out, um, and that was not good. Uh, that made interest rates go up. Thursday, the Producer Price Index came out, not as big an indicator of inflation, um, still troubling. Market kind of shook it off. I don't know why. You know, I watched it, and I went, boy, I wish I had somebody who was a guru on this because I, I don't get it. You know, why is that shaken off? But the PPI was kind of shaken off. I mean, I mean there was little effect. Yeah, little effect. It, mm-hmm. It's not as great an indicator of inflation, but it was high. It was, uh, and again, I'm doing this from memory, I think it was point, uh, six when they were expecting uh, 0.4, something like that. On a monthly basis, which means that it's 4.2 or better right. uh, <clears throat> on right. an annualized basis, which right. which is the highest rate it's been for some 20 years. Right. The, the Consumer Price Index, it was uh, 2008. It's the highest it's been since 2008, mm-hmm. or the biggest jump maybe it was since 2008. So that was a real shocking number on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Friday, retail sales came out, and they were much softer than was anticipated. Uh, and so that would have uh, created, um, or that did create the uh, yields to go down. So if you were watching the bond market carefully, you you probably have whiplash um, this week because it was Wednesday, you know, way up. Thursday, and eh, you know, Friday, way down. Uh, it's it's uh, challenging. And then, of course, the you know greatest question we get is: Should I lock my rate? Should I float my rate? Uh, you know, you've already you've been in a bidding war. You've just won against forty other people. I will say that I see less of a tolerance uh, for floating, and I kind of like that because, boy, it gets hard to explain to somebody when they've locked and rates go down. They just think we will. You're making a profit. No, we're not. You know, we've already hedged this in the secondary market, and so it is impossible to explain to people. I don't blame them. Um, so I kind of like it when people lock, uh, rates stay fairly steady, um, or even, you know, rates go up a bit and they really made the right decision. But it's a it's a tough conversation to have. If we're speculating, I, I'd lock today. But we, You and me both. We have a, a text question here, Linda, that, that um, maybe we both can take a shot at, because <clears throat> I know you have experience in this area. 
the the uh, texter says we are getting ready to sell in three or four I, I'm assume months home, homes in our neighborhood have sold above the asking price but they all have pools we don't have a pool what's what's your advice I'll offer some I'd like you to offer some too if you're the one without the pool consider yourself lucky <laughs> that that would be my advice because a lot of people you know they might decide they want a pool but they want it to be their decision right but if if it's in the yard already right you have to you have to love it right what 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 do you think about that i you know as a person who has a pool um i agree that uh you know pools are not for everyone uh, I would say, I, you know, I watched my nephew uh, recently. He was looking at houses, didn't want a pool. Then he lost the bid on a house with a pool, and then suddenly a pool became an obsession. Then it didn't have to have a kitchen. It had to have a pool. You know, so it's, it really is in the buyer's, uh, the buyers, the, in the eye of the buyer. Um, I wouldn't sweat it too much uh, if I didn't have a pool and the other ones in the neighborhood had pools. It won't stop the appraiser. They don't give a lot of value to pools. Mm-hmm. Um, generally, I see five, maybe $10,000 of value being given. And as you know, a, a lot more than into, that. Oh, goodness gracious. No. You know, it's, in, it's interesting. <clears throat> pools in December are really not going to add much value to any no. house. No. But like your, is it your nephew, did you say? Yeah. Your nephew. At this time of year, coming into the summer, right. pool seems to be really a nice thing. Right. Especially if, if we're going to be housebound a little bit. Right. Still because of the pandemic. So th- there is, there is I, I would say, mixed value to that whole Couldn't agree more. That whole Couldn't concept. agree more. As a matter of fact, I was talking to my neighbor and- uh, but, but it's definitely not the value of the pool itself. Oh, there's no question. You're not going to get 50000 more because you have a $50,000 pool. So this, this uh, lady or gentleman that, that's texting in, as I said, they should feel fortunate that they don't have the pool because le- leave it up to the next guy. Agreed. But I must encourage everybody to get a pool because my husband landscapes many of them. So, Well, sure. <laughs> there you go. I, I've seen his work. It's very, very good, I might Thank add. You. But, um, but anyway, um, let's, let's go back to the issue of, of what's going on in the markets today because I think it, it's, it's kind of – it's definitely um, – it's definitely there's gyrations going on right now, and I've been reading as much as I can. And you, you and I both participated in a in a um, seminar given by Jeffrey Gunlock. It's known fascinating. As, known as the thank Bond. you for inviting me to that. By the by, well, it was it was a, a wonderful thing I think for anybody who had a chance to listen to him. But it was it was fairly dark the information that he provided because it was very detailed and very scientific, and 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 really showed that there was reason to believe that we would have just what happened this week we would see inflation there was reason to believe that we would we would see an imbalance in employment because people are paid to stay home right now really very generously very generously so that so that it's very difficult to hire people and i attended a a meeting in batavia this year or this week speaking to a business organization with with um, a few others and it was a fascinating discussion because Every one of the employers in that group had severe problems getting people to come to work. Mm-hmm. Even people that were employed that just didn't show up. Right. Because, you know, if they didn't, they didn't. And if they got fired, oh, well, I'll just I'll, I'll make more money by not showing up to work. It's a very strange situation. But, but Mr. Gunlock uh, had all kinds of data. And it was, it was really, I thought it was... Uh, it was kind of clairvoyant because everything he said kind of was crystallized in a couple of days this week. He said he also said the byproduct of that would be inflation. 
I mean, inflation of interest rates, that the Fed would be forced to raise interest rates. What do you, what do you see along those lines? Well, certainly never going to disagree with Mr. Gunlock. <laughs> he is. And, you know, I, I would disagree with your uh, use of the word clairvoyant. I, I think he was looking at what was happening, what is mm-hmm. happening, and it, it didn't take a, a clairvoyant to determine where we're going to go. Uh, I, I, that's the wrong term, but yeah. I, I would say he's a, he's a superior intellect. Oh, my goodness. And, and so he, his, his analysis was, I think, far deeper than most people would, would ever bother looking. I agree. You know, Peter, I guess what was most um, impressive to me was he talked for, what, two hours, never looked at a note. I'm like, oh, my God, I, I can't remember, you know, what I ate for breakfast. So, I mean, his intellect and his memory were so impressive. But I think that's why he's achieved the results that he has. He has, you know, probably what less than far less than 1% of the population has in terms of both memory and IQ. So it was it was awesome. It was really like watching a superstar. I enjoyed it, and, and he was brilliant. But he was also very, um, you you wanted, to, I, I put all, all my sharp objects away after listening to him. Well, that, it was <clears> troubling <throat> what he had to say. I got to ask him some questions at the end, as you know, and the first question was, where, where's the good news in all this? Yeah. And, and he, he was, he was, his response, I thought, was, was also very, very enlightening. He, he referred to really kind of people just revolting, in effect, that they would, that they would, t- there was only so much they could take. And he referred to 2022 as being kind of a, um, that c- it could be a very volatile year politically and every other way. Uh, and, and one of the things that, that I see happening, and I want to come back to interest rates just for a second, the Fed has been firm that they're not going to raise interest rates. Yes. Do you believe that can stay that way? No. No, um, I um, forget one of the Fed chairs came out this week and said, nah, you know, nothing to worry about. This hasn't changed my view on uh, raising rates, not going to raise them. Um, but if you could, if you were to continue to see the consumer price index rising at a staggering rate, look at the price of lumber, look at the price of commodities, how can they possibly? But what you've got is low employment. Um, a high unemployment, right? Um, still, still high, right? But plenty of jobs, right? There's right, there's, which there's, is why I kind of stumbled on how to say that. There's it's, there's seven million jobs supposedly out there, right? And there's something like f- five million people still unemployed, right? Right. It's a disconnect. Right. I was watching um, CNBC uh, one morning, and some guy was on. I did not catch who he was or his title. And he was just, you know, this additional unemployment is not keeping people home. How naive of you to say. I wanted to scream and call in and say, you know, my husband owns a small business. I can assure you that people are not wanting to come in, okay? And if that's happening in my husband's small business, what do you think? Look at Ted's Hot Dogs. I, I, and I'm not sure about this, but somebody told me they're closed now on Mondays because they can't find help. There have been restaurants with signs up. You know, come on. This is ridiculous. The capacity issue that's been imposed on restaurants is almost a good thing, but it, but how do, how do you make all that work? It's, it's, a, it's a very difficult dynamic. I feel so sorry for people that own restaurants. I really do. 
And on that very, very pleasant note, Sorry. we're going to go to break. We'll be right back with more from our upstairs after these important messages. Downsizing from your current home? Love the idea of waterfront living? The West End, Buffalo's newest luxury townhome community, may be perfect for you. In the heart of the waterfront village, the West End offers picturesque lake Erie views. Each three-bedroom unit is meticulously crafted with the highest quality materials and amenities. To view this landmark development from Simonelli Real Estate, schedule your private showing now with exclusive listing agent Deacon Tasker with Hunt Real Estate at 280-7787 or by visiting westendbuffalo.com. The why is where James first discovered his love for painting. Now it's also where he'll learn the difference between mitosis and meiosis. This school year, many YMCAs are transforming some of their spaces for virtual learning, dedicating staff, and even providing meals. Contact your local Y to learn more. Forever learning. The why For a better us. Welcome back to our house. This is Peter Hunt, and this show is brought to you by the continuously improving HuntRealEstate.com, where everything is easier for your real estate and home ownership experience. The show is also brought to you by Hunt Mortgage, home of the pre-purchase commitment and the second look program. Call them today, 633-3700, and their NMLS number 37405, and Hunt is a equal opportunity lender. Um, I'm here in the studio with Linda Malaya, the president of Hunt Mortgage, and we've been talking about many things, but among them, the volatility in, in, ver- in various markets that surround us, surround us in the real estate business, I should say. And, and I've been trying real hard, Linda, to figure out what the impact is going to be on us. And I see so little real movement in the last couple of days when I expected something to happen. Did we see anything really happen subsequent to the, the uh, consumer price index announcements? We saw, we saw very little, didn't we? We saw very little. Very little. And that, that's, that shocked me. We're going to come back to that. We've got a couple of questions here. This is one for you, Linda. If you want to buy a Florida condo, can it be financed through a Buffalo mortgage company? It can be as long as that mortgage company has a license in Florida, which we do at Hunt Mortgage. Um, and we have a licensed mortgage consultant, uh, Nancy Clary Frank, is licensed uh, in Florida. Uh, She also owns real estate herself in Florida, so she's intimately familiar with how to finance a condominium. But, yes, you can call our office at 716-633-3700. Don't know Nancy's um, extension, uh, but you can also find her online. That's actually probably a better way to do it. Nancy at HuntRealEstate.com. I'm sorry, HuntMortgage.com. Nancy at HuntMortgage.com. Uh, would get you to her uh, website and you can apply or even our huntmortgage.com website and find Nancy Clary Frank. Uh, she can finance that for you. Linda, we have a couple callers on the line. The first one is Gustav from Williamsville. Gustav, how can we help you? Good morning. Thank you. Um, I was concerned about secondary spending, whether, uh, what the differences are between lines of credit, second mortgage, given that someone has sufficient equity. And uh, are there typically prohibitions or restrictions in a first mortgage against secondary financing. Interesting. Well, there are not generally prohibitions uh, against a second mortgage, but there are limits to which a lender will finance a purchase. For example, if you are purchasing a conventional 
uh, using conventional financing. Generally speaking, the minimum down is five. There are some with three, but let's say five. Um, so you, if you've got the bare minimum of five down, there's no room to put a second mortgage on. If you wanted to come in and finance it with an 80% conventional mortgage and a uh, 15% second mortgage, you can certainly do that. Uh, why are second, if I understood your question, Gustav, on the second mortgages, you're asking why the rates are higher because of the risk to the lender in terms of foreclosing. If Wells Fargo's in first position and Hunt Mortgage is in second position, um, my position's not as good in the event of foreclosure. My risk is greater, and that's why I would charge a higher interest rate. Now, I also might add, we don't do second mortgages. We only do first mortgages. Uh, so that was just an illustrative example. What about lines of credit? I hear some banks are pulling out of that market. Well, not on, uh, again, we only do first mortgages. No, I'm, I'm talking about any all lenders. Yeah. I, I heard recently that one, at least one lender was just backing out of the home equity line of credit market just because people were running up these huge amounts. and. It's well, I would think that this would be a good time to pull back given the inflation of prices. Uh, and, and you know, if you are, again, in second position, you're in a riskier position, now you've just lent them up to the hilt their equity. And if values should be negatively impacted, you've got a double risk whammy. Let's go back to the, what you're, that circumstance you were describing <clears throat> before where young couple wants to buy a home, keeps getting beat out in multiple offer situations, family comes in, helps them out financially. And then the father or whomever says to the young couple, well, now that you own the home, go get a home equity line of credit and pay me back. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what is probably happening. And I've actually been called into a few divorce courts um, because you're required to fill out gift uh, documentation. Mm -hmm. That says you're, you're not, not going to get paid. Exactly. And you're not in a great position if, you know, mm -hmm. the couple breaks up and you've lent them the money. And I think that's why a lot of parents are afraid. Um, but it's common today just because of what yep. you said earlier. Yep. People get beat out and, yep. they, and they finally get frustrated and they say, turn to mom and dad and say, please help me out. And they do right. because they want to see them right. participate in the housing market. Or in some they way, want shape. to get them out of their basement. <laughs> That's even a better idea. We have another caller here, Linda. This is Jay from Buffalo. Jay, how can we help you? Well, I don't know about help, but uh, <laughs> when you were talking about uh, employment and unemployment, I, I said I... I'm in my 70s, and I took a part-time job. I drive all over western New York, and I am astounded by the amount and the frequency of help-wanted ads, signs at the curb, advertising, and $15 an hour to start. And I don't understand how the politicians can be ignoring what is... I've never seen anything like this where uh, they're looking for... Uh, employees and mm -hmm. it's all over whether it's craigslist or any of these places they're looking for people who are going to show up on time and have an attitude to work and i wish the politicians would pay attention it's, a, it's an interesting comment uh jay and and i i think one, one of the, that leads me to a question for you linda let's say somebody is sitting at home collecting these checks can they qualify for a mortgage it depends. Um, it depends on whether unemployment is a natural state of their employment. If you are a landscaper, you are typically not working in Buffalo, New York in December, January, February. 
So that's um, considered natural. That's considered natural. Um, if you are a nurse, it would not be considered natural. Um, I don't know what the rule is. Uh, so let's say you're a landscaper and you are on unemployment. I'm not sure if we let you close while you're on unemployment. We certainly will factor that income in. So mm-hmm. let's say you make $30,000 as a landscaper and get $10,000 um, in unemployment pretty consistently. We'll consider your income to be forty. We'll use that for qualifying purposes. But if it is an unusual thing for your profession, we will not. You know, I will also say... Um, I, I'm with Jay. I, I don't do a lot of driving around, but I see a lot of help wanted signs. Um, I would give you a very cynical answer as to why the politicians pay no no uh, mind to that, but I'll leave my cynicism uh, for the moment. I wish there were a way to be strategic and surgical in the way we deal with things. There are people who are hurting. They need that unemployment. Absolutely right. And they may not be able to find a job uh, based on what they're doing. Um if we could, I think if the employers had more say, so like, sure. yep, my employees are home. I had to lay them off. Breaks my heart. I'm thrilled to see them getting this money. They need this money. I don't really know why they don't do that. They're supposed to make you prove that you're looking for a job. They're obviously not doing that. So, you know. Well, even in our business, an independent right. contractor can now get unemployment. Right. Which, right. Which is, and it's been that way for a year, which right. which shocks me. But you know, I understand just, just what you said. People, Some people are hurting. And right. if there was a surgical way to go about this, right. I think the whole world right. would feel better So what do you think? It. Let's run. You can be the governor. I'll be your lieutenant because I think that's only fair. I'll be your lieutenant governor and I'll smile and support you. And and I'll, I'll resign six months and then you, thank then you, you. can be governor. Yeah, you're good to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, um, I think Obviously, what Jay's referring to is is kind of the the issue of maybe indirectly uh, of kind of influence buying that politicians do all the time. Right. In order to garner right. support, they give stuff away, and that's right. But to, to to make it wholesale like it's been really doesn't exactly. doesn't solve the, the the economic and social issue. That's another story. We have another. Um, Another texter, wouldn't you get a price closer to true market value if you auctioned homes? You are leaving dollars on the table. Well, you know, this is a gentleman named Frank in Williamsville. Here's the fact of life. Auctions have been around forever. Right. And from time to time, a company surfaces, and there's particularly in the high end, uh, there was a company that surfaced maybe 12 years ago that has done extremely well in the high end, largely because... The high end seems to be more price affected when we go through these cycles because there's frankly just fewer buyers. So in the higher end, I, I would say yes, that you're going to get true market. You, you, an auction by definition will give you true market value at that moment in time. But effectively today, almost every listing is an auction. I was just thinking that when I read that. And, and because if we get multiple offers, it's effectively an auction. It's effectively an auction. And so Minus the rapid speaking. <laughs> right. And, and also, the beauty of today's market, if, you, if there is any, is that if you've got a true sales professional working with you, somebody who really knows what they're doing, they can take a look at that auction. And it's not just mayhem like there would be at an auction where pe- people are bidding, screaming at each other. It, it's it's a it's a very logical, a very disciplined process, and if it's if it's handled properly, you will make sure that you're not just getting market value, whatever that may be defined as today, but you're going to get highest and best. 
Right. And that's really that's really what an auction, how it's defined. Right. You know, an auction, um, I mean, I don't know. I suppose it could be structured properly, but you have to, when you're doing these multiple offers, it has to be managed because I could come in to an auction and, you know, raise my paddle and say I'll pay, you know, a million dollars for this place. If I can't afford it, I'm not I'm not been qualified. It's that's not going to work. So, I agree with you. Um, the multiple offer situation, the way it is, uh, and the way most homes are being sold nowadays, they put them on the market. You know, you know, they won't take offers for so many days. Everybody gets to look. Then you put your bid in. Um, but your bid is put in in a structured way. Mm-hmm. Don't even bother to put your bid in if um, you don't have a pre-approval. I actually saw a case recently where somebody wouldn't even show the house without a pre pre-approval letter not even a prequel a pre-approval letter um and uh they had to have i think they also had to document their source of funds too um mm-hmm. I was which, like, Whoa. which by the way is in the law mm-hmm. if i'm selling my home i have it, the right to have it proven to me that you can afford my home and that's what, exactly what you're saying right we've got a minute left here linda i want you to get your crystal ball out okay because everybody's t- asking me this question every day Where's where's the market going? Let's just talk about mortgages. Where's the market going? Interest rates are going up. Um, I'm not sure if that's in six months or a year, but they are going up. Um, I'm I'm very convinced of that, and that will put pressure on prices to home sale prices to go down. Um, it what will keep the market buoyant, in my opinion, is um, that I think this unemployment stuff will run out. I think people will get back to work, um, and the economy should. Uh, be fairly strong for the foreseeable future. So that will keep things, you know, bouncing along. I mean, you can afford a higher interest rate if you have a good job. No question about it. And and that's what we're hoping. There will be plenty of good jobs out there. And we're seeing that. I spoke to a large employer last night, and he was indicating that just what we've been talking about, trouble finding people willing to pay what the market will bear, which is significantly more than, than minimum wage. Linda Malaya, president of Hunt Mortgage, thank you very much for being with us. Thank this you, Peter. I'd like to thank our listeners. We'll be back again next week. And remember, when it comes to real estate, all of upstate is Hunt Country. WBEN Buffalo, WKSE 3, HD3, Niagara Falls. An Odyssey Station.